Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat-treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Welcome to Knife Talk. I think this is episode 95 or maybe 96. We're getting closer to that 100. We've got a slightly different show today, so Mareko's here, as usual. Hey, Mareko. What's up? We don't have Jeff with us, unfortunately. Um, Some of you may know he's had some bad news this week, um, so he's decided to take a week off, which is perfectly fine, which is great. So, we do have a replacement. Um, A slightly better-looking version of Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) We've got Neil, Neil Kamamura's on the show again. How are you, Neil? Good morning, what's up? And say hi, Maddox. Ah. Now go to school. Go to school. <laughs> That's your son, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I love it. He came in and asked me, yo, dad, am I still grounded from my iPad? And I was like, I'm on podcast. <laughs> like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> You've just told 50,000 people that your son's been grounded from his iPad now. There we go. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> well, you want to hurt these young kids? You take away their technology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so tell us why you're here, Neil. Um, you're going to talk about something with, to do with Blade, I gather. Yeah. So I'm working w- with uh, Blade Show. Uh, Blade Show West is coming up in Portland, and it uh, we got a lot of fun and exciting things that are happening, and uh, and that you know a lot of things to talk about. Um, they approached me last year and they wanted to bring, you know, a different aspect to Blade Show. They want to kind of know, you know, basically what the younger generation, not that I'm that young, but <laughs> the younger generation is, is kind of wanting and, and, and they feel like guys like me and Mareko kind of have an understanding to what's happening because you know, let's face it, the knife game is changing completely. Yeah. You know? So we've also managed to get a discount, haven't we? So anybody who wants to—is there people attending, or for people who want a table? What's the discount for? Okay. So if you are part of uh, our Shokanin Collaborative, um, I have a discount code for you. Uh, if you're a Shokanin member holders. for a table. Yeah. And then as far as people that are wanting to just check it out, if you go on and 
for ticket purchasing, type in NEIL20 in all capitals, I think, right? Is that what it means, yeah. Marco? Yeah. yeah. NEIL, N-E-I-L 20, uh, you get 20% off your ticket uh, costs. Brilliant. Excellent. Yeah. So is it going to be pretty much the same as a regular Blade? Is, is it Blade Show West? Is it, is it going to be pretty much the same sort of setup? Um. Well, it's a different feel, right? In Atlanta, I think there it's more outdoorsy. Uh, there's a lot of hunters. There's a lot of um, survivalist stuff, you know. But now we're going into the heart of Portland, which, you know, what do you think of when you think? For me, when I think of Portland, I think of like, that you can't get a bad meal there, mm. really. Right. Like it's 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 amazing place. And there's so many talented chefs. So I felt my advice to Blade Show was we should go after the culinary side of it and make it um, intertwined with uh, intertwined with uh, uh, culinary and, you know, cooking and and nice. eating and and and, the, and what we all use. I mean, I, let's face it. The chef knife is the most used knife. Hmm. You know, it goes into the hands of everyone around the world daily. There there probably isn't a day you don't pick up a chef knife, you know, to just cut, you know, open your anything, cut open the coffee package to <laughs> cutting some, you know, your your avocado smash toast or whatever. <laughs> That's Portland talking, that isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't get the... Uh, you know, my friend works in a hospital and they call it a millennial cut. And you know what that is? It's because they go to stone. cut the avocado seed in their hand and they cut the crack of their, uh, uh, the web of their hand. Like, I don't know. It's oh, pretty funny. But they actually have a term for it in the emergency room. They go, oh, we got a millennial cut. It's the avocado smash hand. Are you going to be there, Marek? Anyways, yeah. It's, I'm going to be there. Cool. I'm definitely going to be there. I mean, Port- Portland uh, is it's like two hours south of where I live now in Washington State. And so it's an easy drive uh, to get down there. I will be staying down there because I'm not looking at driving two hours each direction every day. But, yeah, I'll definitely be there. Nice, nice. So what have you and Neil got planned? Is there any, any anything going on there? Or will you, will you guys be around to meet with people? I think- so... Yeah, go, go ahead, Marco. I was just going to say, we're, I mean, we're definitely going to be there hanging out at the Combat Abrasives booth. Uh, as they've all, not only been a great sponsor of the podcast, uh, Neil and I are both part of Team Combat, and there are going to be other members there. I think Andreas Kalani is going to be there. Kyla Cummings is going to be there. So we'll be hanging out at the booth, uh, meeting and talking to people about the abrasives and just kind of hanging out in general. Um, but there's also going to be some kind of new events uh, going on based around this Blade Show West and the whole culinary thing that uh, Neil's got some more details about. Yeah, so basically a quick rundown of what's going to happen is there's going to be, of course, knives there, right? There's going to be over 200 uh, exhibitors, right? So we got hunting knives, EDCs, collection, collector stuff, kitchen cutlery, knife gear, all that diversified things. Um all under one roof they're gonna have like free seminars uh knife making demos 
they're gonna do that butterfly knife the Bali song competition. I wonder uh, when they're gonna start doing the ballad tong, where they're, they're but, yeah. the, like I do. <laughs> but you know, the the thing about it is, I I think it's smart that they do the the that flipping competition because you know it doesn't matter how it attracts the younger generation if their first knife is a bali song right and they get really good at it but then they kind of grow out of it they still have that passion and the love for knives Hmm, and they're still at that same show right so they're going to be walking around they're going to see you know some guy like vince evans making a sword that blows their mind. It, it just gets them through the door. It doesn't matter if it's like, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a story later about a uh, butterfly knives, but um, so then, <laughs> and we, then we also created something called the West coast pit, which is an after party location, because I don't know if anybody's been to the blade show West last year, it was hard to all meet up in one location. Um, you know, you, each restaurant could only maybe take max 10 to 20, Yeah, you know, so everybody was split up in the end. So we're kind of creating this thing. I think it's about 0.8 miles away. It's walking distance from Blade Show. And then on Saturday night, we're going to have uh, a party there, an after party there. And then that's where we're going to hold the first annual chef cutting competition. And that's sponsored by... Uh, Hogue Knives, Top Knives, Squid Industries. What is that? Be- best Tech Knives, Morocco. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> so, what will the competition involve? What will they be cutting? Um. So, if you go, we're gonna put up links to the cutting championships. Um, it, it's about watching your knife maker and chefs combining and putting their cutting skills for a top prize. Um, I can't fully kind of say what the prizes are, but they're amazing. A lot of knives. We're giving a lot of top quality chef knives away. Um, And it's going to be pretty amazing. Um, There's uh, all the qualifications to enter. It has the rules there. Um, They're going to be... uh, there's going to be uh it, it's basically like you know it's we all like i don't know anybody who follows me sees what i do you know i show how my knives cut mm, yeah. right and i think that that's been a big uh thing for me you know uh you know as a new maker i've been making knives for three years i need to show that my knives are tough they cut the geometry works but not only that it it, when I do a video and it doesn't cut the way I want it to cut, then okay, then I need to, you know, refigure out what's happening mm. oh, yeah. to the knife. Yeah. yeah. And so this is a great way for, you know, and, and all of us knife makers have that chef friend that we work with, right? <laughs> yeah. Like the guy that always buys our knives, you know, that we work really well with bring them there smoke the competition you know what i mean like it it only it only gives you bragging rights for you as a maker so and they're going to be giving away a lot of stuff i can't can't fully exclude but it's going to be worthwhile for the maker and um and the chef itself but i mean it's a really really cool way of 
being on the top like because you know for for right now right like if you win an award at a show like it's cool and it's very prestigious but when you win an award from a show through action the, <laughs> i mean that's just like bro you can't nobody can take that away from you it's right? proof yeah it's proof yeah yeah you're like yeah. not only did i bring the baddest looking blade but we just smoked everybody with its finesse, its cutting <laughs> geometry. I understand how a knife works, you know? Yeah. For sure. So if well, you- and basic, basically the way the competition works is that uh, a, sh- a maker can either, as I'm reading through the rules or I read through the rules before, and it, it, either a maker submits a knife and then they do the competition themselves or they partner with a chef and then that chef does the cutting competition. As a maker, though, I'd be nervous going against a chef because, you know, they're in kitchens blasting through food all day long. Yeah. You um, shouldn't be. I, you would smoke half of them. <laughs> you got to remember, half these chefs have their stuff prepped for them, right? So, you know. <laughs> sure, yeah. And it, I can't it, – is it a time thing or is it more about consistency and quality of uh, kind of execution? Um, so what it's going to be is, uh, you know, it's everything. So, because if it's just speed, then it's just going to be a bunch of ugly chopping, Hmm. you know? (laughs) So every category, whether it's slice the thinnest, like they'd give you something to slice something really thin. Mm. Obviously it's based on time, but they're going to measure that stack that you cut so you take 10 slices of an object right oh and then I they see. stack it and who sliced it the thinnest you know kind of gonna have the shortest uh, stack yeah the shortest stack so all takes into consideration you know interesting and uh but also the the different thing about this show is there's gonna be some chef knife categories also right whereas last so georgia was the first this last blade show in Georgia was the first time they've ever had a custom chef knife category, which is right. kind of crazy to me because that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're a, if you're a knife maker, your biggest money will be chef knives, you know, or at least it is for me. Yeah. You know, like you said, everybody uses one. It's universal tool. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, we're really kind of bringing the focus because, you know, it's a, it's a, not only is the knife making changing, but the uh, culinary world, I feel, is changing, right? Uh, you know, back in the day, you never really saw the chef too much, hmm. you know, but now they're becoming rock stars because oh, yeah. of, of TV and, and being showcased, they're showcasing their talents. Like, it, it's funny, like, I, I seen a meme on on Instagram and it and it had it, you know, it, when you saw a dude with uh, uh, you know, fully blasted tattoos and a beard, you're like, ooh, he must be in a car club or a motorcycle club hmm. or you know, you know, you know, like something like dealing drugs or some shit like that, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. now when you but now when you see a guy with blasted sleeves and a beard, you're like, oh he must be a sheriff. Be a sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just change the dynamics. It's it's it used to be you had to fit this profile as a chef, right? You had to be this classically trained or whatever. And now these guys are getting so popular doing things 
their way, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm a huge fan of Alex Atale. I, is, is that his? I can't. Yeah, Alex Atale. He's a Brazilian chef, uh, and he has a Michelin star. I, I believe it's the only Michelin star in Brazil, and he uh -huh. did it from the roots. Hmm. So his restaurant is not a French restaurant in Brazil. He cooks traditional Brazilian food, like like straight from the hood to high level food based on recipes and uh and uh ingredients from the amazonian yeah. people it's, it's cool to see you know? chefs now having that sort of freedom to be more creative and i think you know tradition's fine and you know learning the classics is fine but i think tradition can sort of strangle creativity if you're if you're being told you need to do it that way all the time creativity is going to die so it's great to see chefs now doing their own thing and being recognized for it too yeah absolutely and it's a perfect meld, right? And so, like this, like because I mean, eventually we would like to turn um, this into something where we have we take it to the next level. But we have to prove the concept that the culinary world is interested in what we do, mm. and so that's why we're pushing all the knife makers to drag down their 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 chef friends to this show with them we're, we're we're pleading with the people to spread the word because we want blade show west one to be successful because a lot of us that are on the west coast it it, it it's a lot easier and two yeah. i think that changing the, that dynamics and growing with in with with it in time is going to prove longevity for our industry you know, so when we have chefs involved and all of a sudden now they're like not just using a manufactured knife, like so everybody sees that they're using this custom forged knife, right? It's better for us and we're growing with the times and we're supporting the people that purchase our tools, right? Yeah. So it's a way to give back. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you're a maker and you want to be involved, head on over to the Shokin In Collective and you can get a discount on getting a table. Um, but if you just want to go and view everything and see what's going on, you can use the promo code Neil Twenty, and you're going to get twenty percent off your ticket. It's a yeah, and then bar. why wouldn't you go? Why wouldn't you? Go? Yeah, yeah. And ticket wise, uh, I think a daily pass is fifteen dollars, and then a three day pass for Monday through or sorry, uh, November first through the third uh, is a thirty dollars. So yeah, twenty wow. twenty percent off of that. That's going to help save you a little bit more. Super affordable. Yeah, for sure. For sure, right. for sure. Are you going to stick around, Neil, for the show? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Let's. We've had a few calls from people. Let's see what we've got. Hello? Yeah, I got a question. Is it more important to keep the phone on you so you can keep posting all your stuff on Instagram and get more business, keep people excited about what you're doing, or to leave your phone inside so you don't look at it every 15 fucking seconds? Get a full day's work done for one. All right? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was hard to follow, but it sounds like he was saying, you know, do you keep your phone on you all the time and then update every 10 seconds, or do you set it down and get work done? Yeah. Basically. Roundabout, yeah. It's a balance, isn't it? Because, you know, 
Yeah. Instagram is such a value to us, you know, as a community. It puts us in front of, you know, for me, it puts me in front of restaurants and chefs. It's and you know, it's it's a free tool. But uh, when I say free, you've got to put some time into it, and you know, time is money. But he's got a point. You know, it comes to a point where you you just put the phone down, leave it for, for a few sure. hours, and just just get on with some work. And I'm guilty as anybody <laughs> else for just getting into that sort of time suck of just oh I'll just open up my oh I got a notification I'll look at that then before you know it an hour is gone and you've got no work done I'll tell you something I've done is turned off all of my notifications for Instagram ah so I if I want to see so that way when I look at my phone for if I'm checking an email or checking a message from my wife I'm not seeing that little red dot that's drawing me in well you two have um, got like I a, have a gabiz, gabillion followers between you two so I'm, I'm not surprised <laughs> I'm not surprised at all if I left my notifications on my phone my phone would break <laughs> the battery <laughs> spontaneously <God>. combust <laughs> It, it, it's not a balance. It's not an option. You know, um, knives are like T-shirts. I've always said this. You're going to wear the T-shirt that you want to wear because we all can just go buy a pack of white T-shirts and mm-hmm. it will do the same job as the, our favorite brand T-shirt. But the reason why we spend a little bit more money and buy that brand t-shirt is because we like what it represents and that's what knife makers need to keep in mind from a business sense whether you're doing it as a hobby and you want to turn it into a full-time knife making gig you're selling a brand and you're selling yourself so there's ways to accommodate that i have a tripod in my shop it's like a cheesy tripod but it makes it easier i'm not trying to like uh, lean it up against something or do something and I'm not getting frustrated with it, it's ready to go. Mm, yeah, You, you yeah. know what I mean? Because you're trying to show people how hard and how much effort you are putting into this knife so that you're educating them as a consumer or a buyer so that yeah. They understand, one, what they're paying for and why they want to buy it from you. So it's not not really an option. Um, Getting distracted on it, that's an option, you know, (laughs) like going back and forth, back and forth. But you're telling a story, you're creating a brand, and those things are the key to upping your level. And fortunately, we have the option of having social media today. Because if social media didn't exist, I wouldn't exist really as a maker because I live on a little small island. So I might be popular within, you know, my one island, but with the ability of having social media, I can tell my story to a large platform. Hmm. Yeah. It it gets to reach the entire world if they, if they want to see it. I I think, I mean, like to add on to what you're saying about getting sucked into Instagram. uh, Yeah, that's definitely a self-discipline thing. And that's something I've struggled with, but I I agree that is, it's absolutely necessary to be. And I, (laughs) this is coming from a position where I've been in a little bit of a slump lately. And so I haven't been posting a lot, but I'm getting back into it and getting back into the swing of posting. But I think it's, it's important, uh, like you said, Neil, to, to keep it up and to kind of maintain a kind of a level of relevance because you whether you like it or not you know your following is your audience and just like an audience wants to see the next episode of whatever tv show they follow or something like that uh, they want to they want to keep up with what you're doing because part of the reason they follow you is one they like your work they must like your work but two they might like your personality too so it's getting to uh share both of those aspects but i think figuring out uh 
uh, a program for yourself. However, it works uh, is bad, is is really key because yeah, it, it's hard to or to to feel like you have to post every fifteen seconds. It is really hard. Um, I've I've been finding that it, for me to be the most consistent is to try to post basically at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and that's basically when people get a break. Like they're starting their day, they're getting some coffee, they're scrolling through the phone. They're eating their lunch at work, they're eating their lunch, they're scrolling through the phone. They just finished dinner or they're getting ready to watch TV or something like that. Like in between commercial at commercial break, they're scrolling through the phone. Like those are all opportunities. Or even as they're getting ready to go to bed, that's an op- they're scrolling through the phone. There's, and not that it's necessarily a healthy thing, but that's just that's the reality of the world we live in right now is that people are scrolling through their phones kind of at those main times. Um, and so especially if you have a narrow market i think it's it's key to try to post at those times but if you have a broader market you can almost kind of post whenever because you got people in france and in the united states and brazil and then australia and then china and japan and like all the way around the world are constantly seeing your stuff day year or all day round um but yeah I, i do think it's important to find that balance and i think if you can post you know breakfast lunch and dinner you're you're going to be sitting pretty good yeah yeah whilst we're talking about instagram actually um i'm not sure if it's a new thing or not but just this week i was offered a, a creator account they said would you like to switch your account to a creator account and i was like, well let's have a look see what this gives me so it gives you extra analytics um extra. yeah so it, it tells you you know where people are coming from that kind of thing um and it just gives you a bit more control over things so um, yeah, I need to look into it a bit more. I'm just wondering whether you two have creator accounts or if you just keep with your standard business accounts. What what are you using? Uh, I have a I have an artist account because uh, that's what I feel. Despite what a what a fader feels about me, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have an artist account because. You know, I'm not a commercial dude. I don't make stuff to order. To I don't let people tell me how to make anything. So I just yeah. kind of create these things. And I put them off. The only thing that that's that's another tool to get you sucked down a hole. Um, so you need to be careful with it mm-hmm. because now you're going to start seeing how many people unfollow you, and how, and then it's going to frustrate <laughs> yeah. you. Oh yeah, you're going to like. <laughs> I tell people, you know, d- don't feel bad. I-, I lose, like people, I lose about 1,500 followers a week, you Thanks. know, like, like because of things like I don't, I didn't answer their DM or what, <laughs> whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, you, you, it's another rabbit hole to go down to what it is valuable for though, is having your analytics, um, helps you show that your Instagram is real. And so, like, if you're going to make a deal, let's say, with a company that wants to give you some product, mm-hmm. it's ability to send your analytics over and show this is my actual interaction, you right. know, and ah, uh, you can't false. Yeah. yeah, you can't falsify that. Yeah. And so that's a way to show them, you know, maybe my Instagram is this big, but this is the numbers that I'm getting because it's real. And my followers are loyal and they're my friends and, you know, whatever. But for me, the people ask me all the time about Instagram, like, and, uh, and I just tell them there's, there's very few things that I do. I keep all my day-to-day stuff on my story. So that's lifestyle. And then my, my 
and I don't post more than one post a day. Like people that post like 10 posts in one day, that's, that's a way to get unfollowed. It's mm, just irritating. Yeah. Right. And so you just, I do one post that's focused on, you know, so when somebody looks at your page, it needs to be clean. It needs to right. have a, 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 a thought out look and has to have a thought out purpose. And so I only post things that fit that purpose and look. And then everything mm. else goes on my story. So what I'm doing during the day, what knives I'm working on, what kind of handle material I'm using, what kind of knife steel I'm using, what kind of Damascus I'm making, what my kids eating for lunch, pizza, you know, <laughs> or what are my cooking event is happening for my cooking event with Flora and Danny, you know, like, like, you know, those type of things. Keep that all that mess on the story. In the stories. Yeah. 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 And keep your page clean and with a purpose you know that's the best question we've had on our hotline so this week right we've had we've had four people doing beavis and butthead impressions again we've had a a darth vader impression which was the worst darth vader impression in the world you you people need to be more creative what you're leaving on the on the message but if you've got a question for us or a tip or anything at all you can call the, the ktp hotline which is if you're outside of the u.s it's zero zero one and then it's 213, which is the California area code, and it's 2610473. So I'll read that out again later. So grab a pen and you'll be able, you'll be able to get yourself set. Um, but, yeah, that was our first call. So what have you been up to this week, Morocco? What's What's been happening in the world of Malmasi Firearms? <laughs> the world of my mom. All right, well, I got some sad news about oh. that knife, that big monster knife I told you guys I was working on. Uh, I was having some struggles with the handle sculpting, and after setting it down and looking at it and actually trying to do a little bit more work on it, it got it got too far away from me, which is frustrating because I literally, like, all I had to do is a little bit more handle sculpting if I didn't mess it up. Um, you know, hand sand the blade, etch the blade, sharpen it, and it would have been done. Like, it was uh, a day from being done, and I got to start all the way over on it. So that's what I've been doing, actually, the last, yes, let's see, yesterday, I was forging steel. I'll be forging steel all day today and hopefully get on forging the blade. And then, uh, let's see. Oh, I also, so earlier, uh, let's see, yesterday and the day before, I've been posting about these full tang knives that I'm working on. And so I've, uh, I'm kind of, developing this kind of in-house series that are more kind of like an economical version of basically my full custom stuff. Uh, I'm calling it the Echo series because Echo is part of my name. And then it's also kind of like short for economic. Uh, and it's also an Echo. Uh, yeah, <laughs> That's good. It's, also, it's, it's an Echo of my full custom stuff. So I just like literally this morning, because I've been trying to figure, I was like, what the hell do I call this? And I was like, oh, Echo, Echo. Okay. Echo, 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 echo. If I keep saying it over and over again, it's going to get annoying. But, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. So I've been working on this production, kind of like a quote unquote production line. But it's 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 all in house. Like I'm cutting the blades out, and I'm and I'm doing all the grinding. I'm doing all the heat treat and everything. It's all still handmade. None of it's uh, uh, necessarily like done out of house right now. Yeah. Um, Obviously, if I did that down the road, I wouldn't be opposed to it because then I can offer stuff at a more economical price, even more, as well as uh, take some of the that work out of my own hands because 
it's a lot of work to do. But oh, I got yeah. uh, I got a small run of these going. Uh, I'm probably about halfway done with them. Next steps to get handles on, um, but they're coming along well, and I'm really uh, I'm really excited to kind of do it. It's it's been a nice break from doing actually my full custom stuff. I'm kind of like everybody's trying to do the opposite. They're they're doing the production stuff. And they want to kind of take a break from that to do one-off pieces where I'm doing one-off pieces all the time <laughs> and I'm taking a break by doing production stuff. So how will people so, be able to get their hands on one? When and so what's looking, the cost? Yeah, timeline-wise, we're looking to get them done by the end of October so they're ready in November, which is kind of like the holiday shopping time of year uh, when people are trying to get their uh, Christmas stuff together. And, uh, and then... Price-wise, we're shooting for around eight hundred dollars for these knives. Nice. Uh, so, we, you know, this is the first run. Uh, you, there's been a lot of kinks to try to work out. You know, I, I have my experience working for Bob doing his in-house production stuff when I worked for him. Did that for three years, and so I had a pretty good kind of system figured out. But even still, having that figured out on paper versus doing it practically is very different. And so I'm figuring out and working out kinks here and there and figuring and just trying to get an idea of how I can better streamline things for the next time around. But I think it's so far it's going pretty good. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Mr. Craig? What have you been up to my friend? Oh, traveling salesman this week. So I'm currently holed up in a hotel in Manchester I've been in London this morning and now in Manchester and it's just, oh, it's hard work. It's one of those things where, I mean, what I do is slightly different to what you two guys do. Mine's a bit more of a sort of production led. Um, so my customers <clears throat> are restaurants. So what I tend to do about once a month, I'll head to um, a big city. And to be honest, most of the time it's London because that's where most of my inquiries are coming from. So because, you know, they're potentially ordering sort of, 100, sometimes 200 knives, it is a case of they want to see a knife, which is understandable. So what I like to do is sort of like bank up a few of these, fly in for a couple of days, visit, you know, a, a dozen restaurants, show them all my samples, hopefully get a deal done, then fly back. Um, so that's what I've been doing this week. And it's it's just tiring, really tiring. So, um, but but it's nice to sort of to meet chefs and, you know, we're, we're generally meeting in the kitchens. So I'm seeing how they're using their knives and, you know, they get excited about seeing the sample. It is quite nice to sort of have that sort of contact sure. with the end user. Um, but it's just so tiring, so tiring. And, you know, I, I miss I miss my girls. <laughs> I want to be home and all the rest of it. But I've, I fly yeah. back on Monday, so it, it's not too bad. But that's been sure. my week. That's been my week. Traveling salesman. And are you so, doing the sharpening thing too, like you were saying last week? Um, I'm not. No. So okay. I mean, what I'm going to do with the with the sharpening is so if they if they if they're buying a, you know a bunch of knives from me, um, I'm giving them almost like a lifetime guarantee. So I'm saying I'll, I'll come back again this time next year. I'll, I'll rebuff all your handles and I'll sharpen them for you. And it, it's that opportunity to you know to sell them something else really, but also just to make sure the knives are staying in sort of tip top condition. Um, yeah for sure yeah and it's a nice selling point as well that way and you're building that relationship so you know when they do want something else hopefully you you know you're the man they come to i i have a lot of respect for that uh you know i call that guerrilla style marketing and i and i mm. think that that's a lost uh skill set in this day and age i get so many knife makers they just uh, or just artists in general, they sit around and they just say like, eh, nobody's following me on my Instagram. And I'm like, wah, wah, wah. 
and they're crying and i tell them bro pound the pavement cuz mm. oh yeah you know yeah. what i mean like <laughs> when you meet when you meet these guys in person or these men or women in person you just abc you always be closing that deal you get them to sign that day you you sweet them up you sugar them up and you close that deal and when it's in person and you're pounding the pavement you cannot not succeed yeah and so anybody right. that does that i have mad respect for them like if people ask me like oh is it your hair is it your butt but you know what <laughs> it's it's my ability to network is is yeah. why i'm at where i'm at you know and it's not a big deal but i was able to do uh you know to to become a you know a full-time knife maker in less than three years because of my ability to network market and not afraid to pound that pavement and sell people and close those deals. Twenty percent, twenty percent of it is the hair. Let's face it, at least twenty percent. Well, you, you know what? Okay, <laughs> I, I will tell you this. It is a super funny story. Is that so? When I switched it over to artists, I was able to see how many men and how many women follow me. Yes. Yeah. Right. What do you think my percentage is? Men to women. Take a guess. Ninety percent men. <laughs> so, so I was like, you know, I have so many women comment on my posts that I was like, oh, you know, I should maybe, may you know, and I sell a lot of knives to women, you know. So I was like, well, I don't know, maybe I'm at thirty, forty percent, maybe nine percent. Nine percent is what? Have- <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. cracked. I mean, that's still a lot, but I mean, I, that so no one can say to me that my Instagram is big because of my hair, because that, that means there's <laughs> a lot of dudes that like my hair. <laughs> but think of the potential, Mark, all those women. If you start giving hair, hair tips, you're gonna have thirty percent women. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what's what's nine percent of four hundred thousand? I don't know, but still, I was pretty shocked. I was like, wow, I need to step 000. up my my game. Uh, you know? <laughs> what about yourself, yeah, Neil? I, what have you been up to this week? Any, anything different? Oh, man. What have I been up to this week? Well, we're getting ready for Forge the Table. I got a brunch coming up, and that's our cooking event with my wife and a local, uh, a local uh, family here, the Boltons. And uh, they own a coffee farm, and their son is a, is a hunter, and he also... Uh, uh, hunts and gathers he he doesn't hunt the meat that we use for the paid events because of uh you know we have to use usda certified but mm-hmm. he gathers all the ulu the hawaiian breadfruit the apple hawaiian apple bananas and you know we cook with about 80 percent of our produce is from the farm that we're actually on um so nice. we've been getting ready for that we sold 75 tickets to this event oh. it's our biggest one yet yeah. um it just sold out this morning um, congratulations and then oh thanks you know my my wife she she works really hard and any but she just was on the cover of carnivore magazine for recoil uh even they it, it was so funny that article has nothing to do with me it has everything to do with her and that's the way it should be she's a she's an extremely hard worker and extremely talented uh uh person definitely deserves that and you know that miracle um and uh the other thing, uh, I had Peter uh, in my shop uh, from Dragon's Breath Forge, uh, Mareko's old uh, 
uh, shop mate. He uh, he recently moved to my island, um, and so he's been coming. And uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but he's a very uh, he's pretty much made probably about ninety percent of the swords in the world. So you know, if you, if you want a shamshir or a katana or a European sword or whatever, he's made it. Wow. You know. Yeah. And so he, uh, I started a samurai sword project with him. Uh, he brought some uh, really old L6, like that's half inch thick by like two inch wide bar. Oh. And so we cut, he got it from Aldo at New Jersey Steel Baron. And I, I, L6, I don't think they make L6 anymore. Um, and so it's kind of a very unique piece of steel. And so I cut off. It's like a six inch chunk and I forged it into a 25 inch samurai sword blade with Peter there, like standing over me, coaching me through because, you know, whenever you have an experienced sword maker, that's a big difference than just a knife maker, Hmm. you know. And so we were able to go through it and he was telling me traditionally, this is what it is. And I'm like, I don't do anything traditional, but it's cool (laughs) to know. Because I haven't, the only time I've seen a samurai sword is in the Met Museum through glass, you know? And so it was cool to kind of have that experience. Um, and then I just finished up a knife, uh, like that large kukri I did with that uh, crazy bone on it. And uh, I've been working on some, uh, some, some. I don't know, semi-custom production knives, I guess. My, I have my 25-year-old adopted son in the shop with me. So I've, I hand forge out a prototype. Uh, and then from there, we kind of figure out what we want. And then as I'm forging it, I make notes of what, how I forged it so I can speed up the process. And then uh, mm. from there, I just start hand forge. I'll hand forge five of them. And then I'll rough grind them, harden them, heat treat them. And then from there, my son, like, draws out an outline to make them pretty close, you know. And then he kind of ground grinds the outer perimeter, cleans it up, flattens the tang. And then he's gluing handles on it. And then from there, I'll go and contour the handles and do the shaping and do the stuff. They won't have the same stamp of my one-offs. Mm. We're creating a – we're creating a, a – it's going to be Kamimura Blades. It's all made by family. Um, but, uh, it's just something so that, you know, one, it can kind of break my son into the knife making business and two, um, kind of provide something that people can afford. Like, you know, I do such crazy one-offs that, you know, maybe, maybe 5% of my following could afford it, you know, and, and I, I'm all about the working class. And so I'm really trying to get these things trimmed down so I can make an affordable knife so that people can be a part of my journey. Nice. For so sure. I'm just like what Mareko is doing with the, with the echo range. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Except I got help. You know, I got a 25 year old son who, who's a, you know, uh, uh, he's a welder by trade and a diesel mechanic. And so he, he, uh, he comes into my shop on the weekends and I'll forge out five blades and he'll start roughing and, 
roughing some of them out and out but uh, all the grinding of the geometry of the blade and the handle sculpturing and the heat treat is done by me but it's just the in-between of work of like flattening the 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 full tang you know what i mean mm, to like yeah. fit mm. the handles he he's doing that and it's teaching him precision and patience and drilling them and you know and getting all that and if there's some hand sanding that's going to be done on that knife which i don't think we're going to do too many on those knives but you know he gets to do them and it's and it's teaching him, you know, and, and he, he's been making knives for a while now, and I think he's ready. And, uh, and I think it's going to be a good fit, and we'll be able to keep that price point way down, you know, yeah. compared to what my typical one-offs are. Yeah, good idea. It's a sweet-looking yeah. knife. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, the, the picture you have on your Instagram of, the, of it laying across the hubcap, it's a good-looking uh, knife. Oh, yeah. I got I got six uh, six designs that I've done recently, and uh, we're just trying to figure out. Like, I keep trying to do the Tonto because everybody loves the Tonto, but I hate Tonto blades. Like, I really dislike a EDC Tonto. I think they're super okay. useless. Like, because where the, from where I come from, like we use a knife to hunt, you know, and to eat with and like tontos just can't do it you know and so the tonto is the one that i'm having an issue with is just trying to make a useful tonto <laughs> like it's like, pretty hard <laughs> you know tontos are more tactical like just meant for penetrating through ribs that's what it's designed for you know mm-hmm. and so uh you know uh, just having a hard time design uh I want to like a mix, like something that you can still use it. You know what I mean? Like, cause sure. I don't know, like usable I, knife. a usable knife. Like I, I don't carry a knife to like not use it. Like, so that's what I'm kind of struggling with. So all my other, like all my other knives are, are done. I just still bouncing around on the Tonto. I'm still having a hard time with it. <laughs> cool. Sounds like a good week. Hey man, can I ask you a question? Right, okay, we've got some questions. We're just straight in, because we've got Neil with us as well, so we can have quite a few opinions here, which would be quite nice. So the first one is from Still Waters Forge, and he says, Hey, man, can I ask you a question? How do you ship your knives overseas? This is good, because I'm very keen on your answers for this myself, too. Let's, let's start with Mareko. What do you sure. do if you've got a customer overseas? Yeah, so if i got a customer overseas, um, I try to... Um, unless they specify otherwise, I, I ship through, I try to ship through FedEx. Now it's not necessarily the cheapest, but FedEx is everywhere. And so Mm. once you get it into FedEx's hands, it stays in FedEx's hand the whole way versus, you know, transitioning through different post offices and stuff like that. Now that might not be too much of an issue if you're shipping to, you know, it's, it's not as much of an issue some places versus others i'm not really going to get into those uh but it's just for me and my only my own sense of security uh because i think we had a question last week about you know do you ever freak out about the knife not getting there or not hearing back from the customer and i i by shipping through fedex especially internationally um it just it helps give me that peace of mind i can watch it the whole time um they require a signature um so, but, you know, and, and like I said, if a customer 
opts out of that, then I make sure, you know, I have it in email. It's, you know, they, they made that call. Um, and if anything happens to it, it's, it's on them because realistically I cannot afford to, you know, for something to get lost because a customer said, Oh, I just ship it standard mail and then it gets stolen or lost or damaged and there's no insurance on it. I can't afford to eat that. So I make sure to keep, if you are going to go that route, I I always advise people to get everything in email because, um, the, the, it does kind of act as legal documentation nowadays. Um, so if there's any kind of claims or anything like that, you know, you can be clear that you had a a line and a form of communication, letting them know, do you, so, decla- do you declare the parcel as a knife? Because as, I, as we mentioned, so, in some countries, you, yeah. you can't actually post that. That's definitely an issue. Yeah. yeah. So that is definitely an issue. And most countries will not accept knives yeah. uh, because they are viewed as weapons. I, I mean, because I do chef's knives exclusively or almost exclusively. Um, you know, I, I ship them as cooking utensils mm, yeah. or a cooking tool. Um, just because it, I mean, it, it, it's a kitchen knife, you know, it's, I would hate for it to get turned around and sent back to me and all of that cost of shipping and lost. Uh, and then also depending on who you're shipping through, they'll actually charge you more to have it return. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, to help get it through. So there isn't any issue. I, 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 uh, say it's a cooking tool made out of metal and wood and, you know, yeah. keep it simple. Just, just to piss off Jeff, I, I mark mine as art because I know that really pisses Jeff off. But I did see all oh, googly eyes. Josh got today. Um, he answered the question on, on his Instagram too. And he says he marks his as fishing equipment, which is, which is quite interesting. But um, what about you, Neil? Are you shipping much? Or, I, I assume you are from your little island. Um, what are you marking yours as? Oh, this is the worst question for me. I don't ship anything. I have an assistant. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't know. (laughs) Oh, the other half Why did you ask me this question? Um, I don't own a computer. I'm a motherfucking caveman. (laughs) And so I I know what I'm good at. And that's just swinging a hammer and beating and grinding things. And other than that, I don't own a computer. So I have an assistant that does all of that and then once the knife goes out and they get the knife i call the person personally from my phone and talk to them for you know 10 to 15 minutes and get to know what they do why they bought the knife and it gives me a way to explain to them how the knife works why it was made what was going on in my life in in how that knife helped me and uh how to care for it what to expect with the knife and i've had zero returns hmm. you know and i've made over 400 knives nice yeah nice i like i like that follow-up phone call yeah. that's a cool idea yeah and you know what's funny though that's part of my problem is far as getting my books reopened is that too like i have guys that have like uh, I have one guy that has 14 of my knives. I got a guy that has like seven. I got, they, they like, you know what I mean? A lot of what I do is reorder, you know? So right. it's really hard for me to open my books because I can't even get through my book. And then I already have the same guy who already bought a knife wanting to order something to fit a different purpose. But that's the, that's the advantage, right? Of, of keeping it, 
keeping it old school like I, I i don't like dealing with emails i don't answer emails i don't do emails i don't answer dms like because it's that is the rabbit hole you'll go down right as a time wasting of instagram you're gonna you're gonna message the guy back and you're gonna say oh hey man i'm sorry but my books are closed right and then they're gonna be like well and they're gonna come back with a follow up next thing you know you're you're 10 you're 10 sentences down, right? Hmm. And now I get I get I get 20 to 100 messages a day. If I did that, you know, right. like yeah. I would never make a knife. So that's where right. you have to choose on Instagram whether I'm going to get sucked down this hole or not. And I choose not to and some people hate me for it, but when the opportunity comes where you have one of my pieces, I talk to you, you have my phone number. If something happens to the knife, you can call me, you know, I recently had somebody call me and they wanted to, uh, patina it, you know, like mm. what I've been doing. And I said, yeah, no problem. Mail it, but they can, they have my number, you know what I mean? Like, and so they yeah. send it to my assistant, mail it to my assistant and my, you know, and then I'll patina it and give it back to her and she takes it away and does all what she's got to do. You know what I mean? Like you have that connection with the people. Yeah. Nice. I think that's really cool and that personal touch. That's really awesome. Yeah. We all need assistance. That that's all I got from that was <laughs> I need an assistant to do my shipping. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever yeah, you do. Because when it, don't call your wife. When your it gets sick, right? Yeah. Oh god, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. And it, and it's not my wife who's my assistant because like that that just never works, man. Like it just never works because when you come home you're like, did you mail it out? You know, did this happen? Why didn't this work? And then she's going to be like, did you finish that knife? And you're like, no, man, leave me alone. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so when it's not your wife, you can just be, you can just ignore them or you can answer them or you can tell them, hey, what, what, what's happening here? And it's done during business hours. And when you go home, your wife's your wife, your family is your family. You can turn it all off. You know, it's worth the money. Hey, you, you know what you should do? Okay, we've had some tips. I'm going to jump straight in with the first one from First Time Forge. He says, if you get epoxy on your skin, use hand sanitizing gel. It cuts through like, <laughs> like alcohol would, but it doesn't dry out your skin. It's also really good if you get glue on your blade. Um, yeah, I've used that on getting glue on the blade. Yeah, it, it does get off. This is like, just like using acetone, I suppose. It's the same sort of thing. Sure. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I never thought. I've always just used acetone. <laughs> that totally makes sense gloves i think that, I, I that actually, man needs some gloves i think i got a tip that happened to me uh yesterday and if you're doing any forging no matter how tough you think you are and i always give peter swordsworth the hard time because he never wears eye protection but wear eye protection because i was forging yesterday and thank god i was wearing eye protection because i had a piece of forge scale bounce off my glasses in onto my eyelid and stuck Ooh. there now if that hit me straight in the eye that would not be a good time so please wear eye protection especially if you're for like basically all the time but especially if you're forging unless you're neil and you you got special eye protection um <laughs> <laughs> i have the 80 percent less chance of getting something in my eye than either of you because i have slanted <laughs> eyes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, moving on. No, hey, I've man. been trying to. I've been trying to wear. I've been trying to wear eye, eye protection, but it's hard for me. I have a, like a depth perception issue, 
And so when I oh, yeah. put the glasses on, it makes it makes it look weird for me. And so like, but yeah, I, I I'm working on it. I got the eye glass police on my Instagram all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got those readers you wear though, right? Are those reading glasses or eyeglasses that you're wearing? What? What did you say? Sorry, I didn't hear you. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I, I was saying uh, you got those readers. You have some sort of reading glasses that you wear sometimes. Are they actually reading eyeglasses? Or are they actual eyeglasses? Oh no, no, they're, they're they're I'm not wearing them to look cool. <laughs> like I wear contacts, and so when I don't have my oh. contacts in, I have to wear regular glasses. But when I with the okay. contacts in and safety glasses on, it throws my uh, depth perception off. Like because I have astigmatism in my eye. And so, like, sometimes it's hard for me to wear eyeglasses when I'm trying to, like, finish Forge. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I try and wear them. I'm trying to get used to them because I got the eyeglass police all over my, all over me on Instagram, always telling me to wear eye protection. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, can I ask you a question? Okay, we've got a question. I think this is quite apt that Neil's on here as well. So, James Mayo Knives asked about body artwork. He said, my dear chaps... What tattoos have you got? And if you've got loads, what's your favorite? <laughs> you got loads. Yeah, Neil's got lots. He's painted. I only got one. Right? I only got one. They're all connected. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's just one all over body tattoo. <laughs> what, has he got oh, any significance? God. Any significance to the tattoos at all? Well, I'll tell you a story. My son, he tells me. He's never going to get a tattoo. And I said, why? And he said, because he says, all your tattoos are like, like your bad things that ever happened to you. Majority of them are. He goes, except for my picture. You know, (laughs) he's like, a lot of them are bad things that you went through. And that's how you cope. He goes, my life's perfect. He's like, I don't need a tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that 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 was the sweetest compliment he ever gave me because, you know, it is true. A lot of my uh, my tattoos are a map and a story of what I've gone through in life, you know, and uh, and that's kind of how I deal with it. When it's for significant things that happen to me, I kind of put it in permanent format so that i can uh look back at it and remember the lesson that i learned or remember a part or remember my journey and how i got to places nice nice have you got any Morocco? yeah i got a couple uh the the one that's probably the most significant to me is on my uh the forearm it's a, a sacred heart it's got like kind of rotational symmetry so if you look at it like if you're looking at my hand toward up my arm it looks like the sacred heart but then from my perspective looking down my arm towards my hand it's a couple barn swallows kind of like cuddling and what it represents (laughs) to me is uh is like the love of my loved ones and my love for them and uh I, i got it at a kind of a tough time in my life where i didn't know I'm like getting a little emotional right now. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing with myself and I was questioning like, what's the point at all. And it was, uh, it was a hard time. And so I realized like the reason I, I stick around and keep going is because of the people I care about. <laughs> Sorry. Nice. nice to have something no, on you. Like, oh, that means so much. Nice. Yeah. So I, no, I got I mean, my forearm, so I see it like every day. That's a daily reminder. No, that's and that, and that's the important part. I mean, you know, you, you see guys with like fully mapped tattoos, right? It's because they got it because it looked cool. Like 
when you have a tattoo like that, like, you know, even for me, like, I was tattooing my neck and I was putting a chrysanthemum on my neck and that's my mom's um, yeah. um, family crest. And as I was getting tattooed by my best friend, I got the call that my mom had killed herself, you know, and I was putting that tattoo on my neck because of foreclosure, you know, because I have a tattoo on my chest that has my mom's Japanese name that says Harumi. And I got that on my chest because I wanted to look in the mirror every day and remember not to trust her and to fall into this web of things. You know, she had a mental disorder, you know, Mm -hmm. and so like I... I wanted to look in the remember, mirror and remember not to trust her and to just, you know, still love her, but not to fall into this game that she plays, you know. And then when I got the chrysanthemum, it was more of like a healing and like a closure. And when I got that phone call, sure. like, uh, I had to sit back down and, 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 you know, and I, I didn't know what to do. And fortunately, I was with my best friend and he's not a, he's not like this guy that's like, starts you know like that's just gonna fall down to the ground and freak out he was just like sit back down and i sat back down and it gave me an hour to think about what i had to do and the people i had to call and i finished the tattoo you know and and uh those things have meaning and they're powerful Mm -hmm. and uh and 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 it's important so if you are going to give advice to somebody like get a don't get a tattoo unless you know it means something to you because it can immediately draw emotion like it just did with Morocco, right like yeah. like and it, and, it, and it doesn't let you forget yes yeah. didn't, it, didn't expect you? that i was i was pretty i'm clean i'm completely clean not not a you don't have a me. you don't have a burning phoenix on the small air back i don't know unfortunately <laughs> a big eagle spreading its wings across right across my shoulders and back no nothing at all completely clean <laughs> boring boring some might say <laughs> no man the the you know I've been going back and forth about, you know, I give these, I give these motivational speeches, you know, about suicide and depression all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's my main focus as far as like nonprofits go. I work with some really great companies. I got some stuff that's coming up in the future that's going to blow people's mind that what I'm, I'm doing with, with that information. But I constantly sit there and think about, okay, so you, you, you go through it, right? And you go, Love yourself. Know who you're not to know who you are, right? Those are the keys, right? Being the author of your own book. If you fuck up, you can rip the page out or turn the page or start another chapter. Those are all things that are part of my, my, my thing. But now what happens when you do all of that, right? Right? So now, you know, that situation with Moreco, like he's come out of that, right? And that tattoo has helped him and, and he's, he's going through that thing. But the, 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 now the next issue that comes about is, is negativity. And people are always like, what do you mean? We're programmed to only focus on positivity. You know, uh, you know I mean, we're only focused to program on negativity. So what happens is, you know, I'll make a post, right? And it'll get hundreds to thousands of comments that are positive. But what are the ones that stick in your mind? It's that one negative person that puts in some stupid comment, right? And so 
So what do we do with negativity and adversity? You know, like, and, and, and those are the things that, that make a man and, or a woman, you know what I'm, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying is that, is that when you come across something that's hard, like, so you're good, right? You're like, I love myself. Like I'm writing my own story because things are going good. Things are positive, you know, and then boom, something negative hits you again. Now, what do you do with that? You know, so like right now, like a, such a small thing, like right now there's shadow banning on Instagram. So if you make knives, your Instagram has gone down. Mm. Right. And like, so instead of looking at that and just getting frustrated, look at it as a challenge. Right. Gorilla marketed like you. So like so like right now, I'll work with another person that has a fairly large Instagram that kind of matches mine. And we just repost each other's stuff. Look at look at it as a challenge, you know, or it's something as as serious as someone passing away or as serious as you losing your job or so. what do we do with those adversities? How do we deal with negativity is something that's so crucial. And hearing a story like Mareko not knowing what he wanted to do with his life. And then changing it to be one of the forefront knife makers in the world from being a line cook to being Moreko Malmasi, that's that's the part. So you have to go through all these steps of learning to love yourself, doing this, doing that, doing this, doing this. But then it never stops, right? Because we're going to be continued to have negativity and adversity. And those are the keys. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, I went on a rant. No, you're right. You're right. (laughs) We we see people's best, don't we? We see people post on Instagram and all the rest of it. This is, you know, they're they're showing a certain part of their life that they want to show. And it's generally positive and the best bits. So you're trying to compare yourself to to that. And it's not real. It's fake. It's, you know, that's 5% of their life. It's not 100% of their life trying to compare yourself right. to that you're always going to get yourself down and it's 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 a problem which i think the next generation they, they, it's going to be solved somehow but i who knows how who knows yeah hmm. you know like you know as parent like i'm a parent yeah you know and we're all parents on this podcast right yeah and uh i'll tell you a thing like i haven't talked to my dad in five years and uh there's some stuff behind of it that, you know, I don't really want to get into, but, you know, uh, and then I have an adopted son who doesn't talk to his family either, Mm. you know, and, uh, it's kind of similar thing. And, and I, you know, I have changed my personality was super crazy. Like I would fly off the handle and fight people and react to people and punch windshields out and and lose my temper constantly before and i've like uh i was a very negative person and and then i i was able to with my mom's death i was able to kind of transform my life but then recently i was at the bowling alley taking my kid and these other his three friends to the bowling alley you know and there was this like really drunk guy like at in that bowling alley and he like slapped the cards out of my out of one of the kids hands and i didn't really realize what was going on at the time you know and and he was just kind of a friend of a friend he was just kind of around the area that we were at and uh he like lit a cigarette inside of an indoor bowling alley and blew it in my face and pushed a chair towards me and hit me in the leg to like sit down and i like reacted 
Like I like instantly snapped. Yeah. Mm. You know, and sure. I I like just like lost it. And I was like, I slammed him with the chair and like went to grab him. And like my wife is screaming at me because she knows I'm gonna make this guy eat that cigarette. I'm gonna push that burning cigarette on his mouth. You know what I mean? And everyone's freaking out. And like, and then like with my wife yell, you know, like looking at my wife's face, like because she doesn't see that part of me. Now you ask my ex-wife, she knows that part of me, but, 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 you know, Flora was like, don't do this in front of your kids. You know what I mean? And so I stopped and the guy like ran out of the thing and whatever. And I was like, why am I so angry? Like, why did that just boom, just come out? And so I wanted to take the things that were in my life out. And so I called my dad last week and I, for the first time, and I told him, you know, the last time I talked to him, him, I told him that he wasn't my dad and that I, you know, I don't, I, that he's dead to me. I don't even know him. You, you know what I mean? And I went back and I talked to him and I told him, I love you. You know, I want to squash everything that it is between you and me. I don't want to be your friend. Like, you know, it's not about that. I just want you to know that I love you and that I am the man who I am today. And I'm a hard worker and I'm super business savvy because of him. Mm. Yeah. You know, and close that door because that thing was just lingering over me and making me angry, like hidden sure. inside. It was hiding inside. And it came out when that guy blew that smoke in my face. I didn't just like calmly like I was ready to snatch the life from him, you know, in, in an sure. instant. And that peop- that person had control over me. And so well, the reason why I called my dad and then I told my son my 25 year old son Brian I said look this is what I did because if you let people get under you with their negativity they win every single time and we are winners and we don't let people affect us and have control over us and I had to do it through example you know by letting some of the things go for me and it only bettered me because you know it's just like a weight off your shoulder right you're like dude dad I love you you know, let's squash whatever it is. I understand what you were doing at the time. You know what I mean? And hopefully you can understand me and put it away. Mm. You know? And it's, it's, it's important to break that chain then as well. I mean, like you say you've got kids, you've got, you know, a youngster growing up as well. They don't want to be seeing an angry monster. You know, it's, it's, it's easily passed down, isn't it? You're breaking that link. You're breaking it. Your son's got something to look up to, and it's fantastic. Yeah, I yeah. am. Let's lighten things up a little bit, eh? Woo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you breath. have me, you know, if you got me, it's gonna be real. <laughs> Some real shit up in here. It's <laughs> <laughs> like an episode of Frasier. This, right? We've had a question from Larami Jackson. This is a fun one. Um, what one movie or book as as had some kind of major influence on your life? whether personal or professionally. So a movie or a book. I mean, mine is Pitch Perfect 2, obviously. You know, it's just a great <laughs> film. <laughs> no, I, I, I'll give this some thought now. I'm going to come up with something good for this. Uh, let's start with Mareka. What do you think? Any any movies Shit, or books? Shit, you make me go <laughs> Okay. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, lately I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks. Mm. And... um one that I've been, I had been wanting to read for a long time and finally got to a couple months back is Simon Sinek's uh, 
start with why. And it, it was impactful to me in the way of trying, just trying to identify and understand why, like why I make knives and why it even matters to me. Cause you know, I, I like the work. It can be hard and a pain in the ass sometimes, but there's gotta be a deeper meaning to it. And a part of me at the same time was also trying to decide, you know, is this really the, the, the path I want to keep trudging down or, or is there something possibly better for me? And I did, it did really help uh, help me identify, you know, it, my actual why, you know, it's not because I make money from it. It's if I've realized like the, my why for the reason I make knives from listening to this book is because it, it creates an opportunity. It's a creative outlet for me. Mm. And it creates an opportunity for me to connect with people. Connecting with people is, is super powerful and very, very important to me and having those relationships. And then also, you know, it's, it makes this tool that it's making a tool that helps people cr- cultivate this experience in cooking food and sharing those fun experiences with the people that they care about. Um, or to get their job done, you know, whatever. But usually it's, you know, cooking for family or friends um, and in, in, in helping to enhance that experience. And so uh, that was a really, that was a, a kind of an aha moment for me, I guess, if you want to call it that, Laramie, um, that, that start with why really helped me figure out. And so if anybody's got Audible or somehow can get a hold of that book, I would definitely suggest getting it to really help you zero in on what it is uh, that drives you to do what you're doing. Because once I have that figured out, then that helps, helps me find a direction in which I want to take that. Um, and that's really helped eight months um, after I first listened to it. I've listened to it like four or five times now just to help really kind of like lock in the message and help keep it front of mind uh, as to why I'm doing these things or why I'm, why I'm making knives. Um, yeah. So that would be my answer. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Who's Neil? Any, any oh books my or God. movies? What, what was the question? TV show or movies? Or what books? Are- uh, book, books or movies that have sort of inspired you? Inspired me? Ugh. Either personally or business-wise? Yeah. Mm, nah. I mean, my favorite movie as a kid was The Outsiders. It's just about greasers and socias and like it, it kind of molded me as a kid of who i was in like you know you you identify with someone you know for me i i come from you know not the greatest childhood and so you know that that movie can kind of show you uh you know a different side of your own life you know where hmm. where you can kind of turn it into being cool. Like for me, I, I, the stuff that I have gone through gives me a compassion where I'm not a very compassionate person, you know, like my, my, my family would tell me stories of me, like stepping over like homeless people as a child. And I was like, get a job. Like I was like, not born with this, like compassion, (laughs) like, you know, and, and (laughs) going through things, going through things helped me relate to people. And uh, that's what that movie like inspired me is that it's, it's okay to be a cool dude. Like, you know, I've always been like a fifties greaser. Like before I made knives, I had a pompadour and I build fifties cars. I got low riders and vintage Cadillacs still, you know, and, uh, and I lived that lifestyle for a long time. And, 
And uh, but going through those things and hardships and maybe coming from a broken home, like doesn't have to be a detriment to you. You know, it can be a thing where you can be compassionate with people and understand their story and help people. And and they are very they're a lot more open to listening to you when you have a similar story. You're not that's this dude that was like grew up, leave it to Beaver and like and is trying to tell you what to do. You just telling them what you've gone through and they take what they want from it. You know? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Um, I've been giving this some thought. Um, <laughs> as a kid, my favourite film was Rocky Four. Always get me pumped up. <laughs> Go on, I tell you the world. <laughs> um, but I think, I think what's been the, I, I, there's a, there's a certain point in my life where my life changed massively. So um, I left school and I did a bunch of jobs I was no good at and all that kind of thing. Eventually, really got into computers and so on, and I ended up becoming a web designer and I worked for some sort of like big agencies and so on. And I did that for sort of 12, 15 years, um, earning good money and all the rest of it. But I wasn't particularly happy, and I went to this an event, and it was life-changing for me. It was, the event was called The Do Lectures, mm. um, and it's like a... Uh, you, it's a series almost like TED Talks, but they're generally like in in places which are like in woods or in a farm. You're moved away from everything. There's no te- there's no cell reception. There's no Wi-Fi. There's nothing, and you're just there with with cool people who tell their story. Mm-hmm. And this this changed everything. So wh- when I left the do lectures, um, p- part of what they do there, they they do sort of activities, and one of the activities was like spoon carving. You know, you chop down a tree and you all make a spoon. Um, and I, I was just, just amazed with it, you know. So I, I then went back and, I, you know, I'm on YouTube and I'm looking at videos of people making spoons. And before you know it, I've, I come across a video of, of Walter Sorrells and he was making a knife. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to give that a go. And and that was it. From that point on, it was just like, I'm not interested in web design at the moment, you know. Sure. I'm, I'm glad that I did it because I've got these design skills, which I think uh, certainly help in, in the knives that I make. Um. But I just realized I didn't love what I was doing. And I found that by making something, I completely loved it. So that was like life changing for me. Yeah. Um, But there's also something else that I find very, very inspiring. And it's actually, I'm like a marketer's dream because it's an (laughs) advert. (laughs) And it was that that old that old Apple advert. You must know that, you know, that here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers and that. And, um, and it's, it's all about thinking differently. And I always try to think differently. And that, that, I think that gives you a, first of all, it gives you a competitive edge. Um, but I also think it shows your value. You can think of something in a different way. And I'm, I'm currently working with a, with a restaurant in the UK, a very sort of famous restaurant. They've got three Michelin stars. And, and they've got a big sign in the restaurant which says question everything, which is pretty much like think differently. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, find, I find that really inspiring. So, you know, don't go down the same corridor as everybody else. If there's a door there, just poke your head around the door, see what's going on. <laughs> and um, I, I certainly didn't think 15 years ago that I'd be a professional knife maker and this would be my living, something that I completely love. And it's, you know, it, it's given me experiences that I never thought I'd have. So yeah, oh, we always have a look look out for that other door that you can just poke your head around and see if you like what's inside. Yeah, yeah. For me, like my biggest inspiration wasn't from a movie; it was from a TV show, and uh, and it was Jesse James. Like I, I grew up in a 
I grew up on an island where we didn't have custom car builders here. Like, I mean, we do, but not like the way it's done on TV, you know? And, and we're all backyard dudes, like building cars. Like I built my first lowrider bike when I was, you know, like 12 years old. And, uh, and, and Jesse James was my huge, the biggest influence. And, and it's still, I, it, it stays with me today, you know, as far as that, you know, I don't know him personally, but as far as just the limits that he was pushing and he was uncompromising and all we had was TV. So like me and all my friends, we grew up watching all the Jesse James shows and we, you know, that's why I build lowriders was because Jesse James built lowriders when he had Monster Garage, you know, and I, that's what motivated me to bag my first car 20 years ago when nobody was bagged. I bagged a 65 Cadillac. Like nobody was doing that. You know, people were like, what is this little Japanese dude driving this 20 foot long car that goes up and down like a clown? Now it's cool as shit. Right. But when I was 18 years old, when I was 18 years old and driving a bagged candy painted Cadillac, nobody understood what I was doing. When I rolled out my Baja truck that was flat black. You know, like before flat black was cool, people are like, when are you going to finish it? Like and like, you know what I mean? Like I was doing stuff ahead of my time on this island, me and my friends, because of Jesse James. You know what I mean? And that uncompromising attitude that probably gets him in trouble and it probably get me in trouble. But it's this uncompromising Thing for creating something that's better and pushing the boundary like nobody wants to watch a tv show where they're just doing what everybody else thinks it's cool you're inventing it you're telling right. and making mm. people know what's cool because i'm making it you know right do you know what else is cool combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers available in any size and at unbelievable prices Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! Do it now! <laughs> he still makes me laugh. Who is that, that supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's supposed to be Arnie. Arnold Schwarzenegger, but uh, yeah. <laughs> basically, basically, he's the cheapest voiceover guy I can find online that did impressions. Well, you should get your money back. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, okay, let's do some, another. We must have some listeners who do some good impressions. Maybe that's yes. they should be doing. That's what they should do. They should do the live reads over the phone, and if they want to, tra- oh no, <laughs> I gotta not. get more Beavis and Buttheads and bloody Darth Vader's. It's not gonna be oh, good. It's not gonna be good, good impressions. Not bad one. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Strike that. <laughs> Summit and Seasmith in has asked. Is I like this. Hey cuties, when she says it's nothing, I'm fine. What is the appropriate amount of time to wait before returning back to the workshop? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we've all heard that. I mean, you know, it's nothing. I'm fine. You're like, yeah, right. You're not fine. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, you should probably try. Well, not unfortunately, but, you know, realistically, you should probably try to stay and have a conversation. And uh, at least from my experience, unless they really insist they do not want to talk right now. But it's a problem. It's like you got to ask. You got to just just to be sure, like three or four times before. Yeah. I found oh, yeah. before really giving somebody some space. 
<laughs> hey, you. You know what you should do? Okay, we got another tip from um, Schwab Custom Blades. Custom Knives, sorry. Um, a tip that I've seen a lot of people do is instead of clamping the actual knife down while drilling, you just have to attach the clamp to the work rest in the path of the blade. So he's basically having something there to stop the, you know, the helicopter of, of a blade. I've seen people do that with bolts and so sure. on. Um, I, always, I always think I need to do that. Stick a, no, just a big bolt through the table of my, my rest of my drill press. I always forget to do it, but yeah, I, I need to do it this weekend. Oh, when I'm back, right? Yeah, sure. So the, the idea is that it helps keep the blade from spinning out of your hand as you're drilling holes. Is that what, mm. is that what you're talking about? I think so, yeah. yeah. It, stop, it stops that helicopter in the air because it's got something that will just hit against instead of, yeah, rising up and taking a hand For off. For sure. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Where's the fun in that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't do a lot of full tanks, so I don't... Uh, I don't really know about that. Uh, I think the best thing to do is use a really sharp drill bit <laughs> and go slow. Right. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, hey, man, can I ask you a question? Okay, let, let's do one more question. I, I like this one. This is, here we go. It's, it's Jarrell Edwards. Hi, guys. Love the podcast. What's a good thickness and steel for a beginner to make stock removal chef knives? Um, so he's looking for a thickness and an ideal material. What do you think? That's all you, Boo. I don't. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna, do I've this, recently yeah, go gone a bit. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, I've recently gone a bit thinner. So I, I used to be two point five millimeters. Now I'm two point three millimeters, which I think is is just under three thirty seconds for the the Americans who deal with fractions. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty thin, but you know, you want a thin chef knife, so. Right. Um, that's what I go with. Regards to steel, I've got sort of two go-tos. So if it's a carbon steel, yeah, I generally use a 52100. Um, I'm getting good results with the heat treat with that. And if it's a stainless, I'm using the Sandvik stainless. So I usually go for either 12C27M or 14C28N. Um, and that's it. I just use the two steels for basically everything I do. I've got the everything dialed in and they, and they seem to work so that works for me but yeah a 2.3 millimeter stock for actually for most of the stuff that i do whether it's a table knife or a chef knife yeah i think i mean nice. i think that's great especially for a starter for stock removal because that way you're not grinding a ton um because i would say probably the hardest part about doing stock removal especially when you're first starting is just grinding um and so i was you know you said 2.3 or 2.5 mil I, you know i would i was gonna say about an eighth of an inch is probably a good starting thickness and i also wouldn't start with a big chef's knife i would start with maybe like a utility knife or something like or a petty yeah. something that's around six inches or so um again it's a little narrower it's easier to control it's a lot less grinding just to get a feel for it and and also that way you're not ble- uh kind of blowing all your material on a larger knife if that large knife ends up going sideways on you uh you know out of the same piece you can maybe get uh like two or three or four petty knives versus like one or two chef's knives so it just gives you more opportunities and chances to to learn so yeah, that would be my suggestion for uh, thickness, at least. Cool. Oh, we got a phone call. Hello. 
whenever you're working in a shop and it's real hot and humid and muggy, you ever go outside in the breeze and just take your pants all the way down wherever you see and let the breeze blow all around? Oh my god. <laughs> this is the kind of shit people are leaving on my answer phone. Hey, I'm trying to convince sponsors to sponsor the show. <laughs> this is the we're level that we're, we're, that we're broadcasting to. We're, we're trying to show people that we have a high level of followers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Oh jeez! Honestly, I need to I need to sift through these messages every you, week. And yeah, you'll you'll notice he didn't leave his name. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what most people aren't doing. Actually, that's a good opportunity. Let me give you the number again. So, if you're outside the US, it's zero zero one. Then it's two one three, which is the California code. Then two six one zero four seven three. If you're leaving a message or a tip or whatever or, or news, whatever you've got, yeah. make sure you give us your name because um, otherwise we don't know who it is. We can't mock you if we don't know who you yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good deal. Talking about the um, the actual podcast because we've had quite a few questions. People want to know how the podcast is made and so on. Dan Peterson asks, "Hey, Mike, can I ask you a question? How many listeners tune into the podcast?" And how far are you reaching? Uh, it'd be cool to see who I'm listening with. Um, it changes slightly. So generally on the week, on the Monday, when we release a um, a podcast, which is, you know, the main show on a Monday, by the next Monday, we've generally had around about between twenty five and 30,000 unique listeners to that one episode. Um, but over time, that one episode is generally getting around about fifty to 55,000 listeners. So, and those are unique listeners. So it just shows there's a lot of people out there interested in, you know, in knife making and forging and bladesmith and all the rest of it. Yeah, um, well. There's a lot of you out there. Yeah. Um, and, and I'd say if you do want to connect with, with other listeners, there is the forum, which really, really isn't being used enough. Um, it's the forum. So if you go to knifetalk.net, we've got plenty of stuff on. So we've got like a, a list of suppliers, you know, for people just getting into it, they can find suppliers. Um, there's the forum. And obviously we've got all our back issues. So as I said, this is episode 94 or 95. Lots and lots of back issues. Um, go go and, go and take a look. But so, yeah, generally, each episode is getting around about 50,000 listeners. And we seem to have sort of bottomed out a bit there. So it was climbing and climbing and climbing. Now we've got to the 50,000. It seems to be hovering around about that. So maybe we've we've reached our saturation point, maybe. <laughs> That's still a lot of people. That's a lot of people. What, what, what was the one that I was on last? Did It did crazy. Like crazy. Number. Yeah, I think that. That did, I think, over thirty odd thousand in in the first week. But um, I think that's over a hundred thousand listeners now. That one, yeah, there ain't. A- and when I say listens, I'm, I mean unique people, not 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 just downloads. These are you know unique downloads. Yeah, like that's 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 crazy. But you know the the one thing that I wanted to talk about, like on this show, was that the project that me and Mareko have been working on. I organized the team build. With combat abrasives, your guys' sponsor. Um, yeah, we yeah. we we worked together, and so Mareko did a mosaic pattern, and then I forged the blade, chef knife blade, and then um, um, Will uh, heat treated the blade with salts, that crazy mad scientist stuff, and then uh, Andreas. <laughs> Andreas Kalani and Kayla 
Cummings did the uh, finished off the knife, handle work, grinding, and so on. And so we've created this beautiful knife, and it has a plaque with all our names and combat abrasives. And we videoed, wow. we videoed the whole thing. So we actually have a 20-minute video of really awesome produced video of us making it. And we shot individual bios. It's going to be a lot of cool content. But we made that knife for a nonprofit because that's what I'm. my main focus on is like giving back. And it was an ability for all of us guys that work and, and women work with our hands to uh, create something that gives back, right? Like that, that's what really sets you on a different level as an artist is that, you know, you can do so many things and get all kind of money for what you do. But when you've reached a level that you can give back, that's an amazing experience. And so the foundation that we gave back to when we're going to auction this knife on the show. And it hasn't, it hasn't been released yet. This is a little behind the scenes. And, uh, we're going to auction it off on the Shokunin page, the page that I have to, um, you know, put forward movement into the knife making. It's a, it's an Instagram that helps, you know, other makers sell their knives, just not just my own knives. And uh, yeah. so we're going to auction it off there, and it's going to my friend Zach Brown's um, uh, uh, give back, which he does, uh, Camp Southern Ground, which is a camp facility in Georgia that has children and and vets and people of need that and they 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 do this really amazing give back it's definitely worth looking into but so we're going to auction that knife and donate it to camp southern grounds funding to to help uh with the kids and the wounded vets and a lot of these things because i mean like as as you guys know my main thing is about mental health and awareness like you know for the vets for the vets, they're getting taught to become this machine, right? And to turn right. off certain emotions. And then when they get put back into civilian life, they don't have those tools anymore because that was deleted from their day to day, right? The certain emotions. Yeah. So they don't have the tools to be in a relationship, to, to deal with your normal day to day. And so that's what we try and help put back into there. You know, and then obviously with the kids, the kids that need stuff like Zach's place is amazing. It has a farm and they're teaching kids life skills, not living through a cell phone, like actual life skills. And it's an amazing project. And he's an amazing dude. He's been my friend for a long time. He's also a knife maker. He owns Southern Grind Knives and uh, he's very connected with the people. And it's an amazing uh, opportunity me and Mareko had to do. Yeah, yeah. No. When is that likely to be auctioned off? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I uh, before Blade Show, I think. You know, we're trying to orchestrate. Sure. I'm going to go out to Georgia to go see him, so I, I'm trying to figure out when. Once I get, it's pretty much held back because of my scheduling. My scheduling is like out of control right now. So, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. But if people. People follow Shokunin Collective. They'll be able to see on there. Yeah, they'll be able to. We're, we're all cool. going to post it. You know, Miracle's going to post it. I'm going to post yeah. it. Shokunin's yeah. going to post it. It's going to be a really good thing. And, and like, watching the, the dynamics between all of us at Combat Abrasives, like, they're such a good company that they're willing. Like, they paid for all the producing, all our airfare, all the materials that we used, and they put together this amazing 
opportunity for us to give back. So it wasn't just us, like combat abrasives themselves care about the community that we live in also. To spend that kind of money, it wasn't cheap to fly me from Hawaii, you know, up to Morocco's shop to do that, and then and then have a film crew there, and then have a film crew there in California at Will's shop and at Andreas Galani's shop, and then fly Kayla from New Hampshire in, and you know what I mean, just to create this thing to give it away. That kind of shows the mm-hmm. dynamics of what combat abrasives is trying to do as, as a community. And that's why I've always supported them. They've, they, they took me on as combat team combat when I had 5,000 followers, you know, you know, like Mm. it wasn't because I had this big number that they took me on at the team. They took me on because they liked me as a person. You know, and now oh, it it was it was the hair, Neil. It was the yeah, hair. It might, it, it might be the hair too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got a call. Hello. Hey guys, it's Matt. I uh, was hoping you could help me out. I have a customer who's wanting a bread knife, and does a bread knife have to have serrations to make it a bread knife? Uh, I know I can buy like a three or four hundred dollars serration wheel. I really don't want to have to do that. Um, hopefully, guys can help me out. Thank you. Bye. Okay, the audio quality wasn't the best there, but I think he's saying he's been asked to make a bread knife. Um, he's never made one, and he's wondering if it has to have serrations. Um, now, I remember when I made my first bread knife, I had lots and lots of tips off Moreco, and I couldn't have done it if Moreco didn't tell me how to do it, so you might as well just hear from the horses. <laughs> I thought you were just going to stop and call me a whore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nay! <laughs> no, uh, I mean, all right, so first off, uh, I think it's it's kind of standard practice that any kind of knife that's called called a bread knife definitely has serrations i would be concerned if you know somebody uh this guy's customer is like oh i want a bread knife he's like cool made him a knife and it didn't have serrations i'm pretty confident that's that's not what the customer is expecting so i would i would definitely have a conversation with them just to double check and make sure that that's what they're looking for um but at the same time so when it comes to cutting serrations what i've you know i I went and visited uh, Jeff actually over at his shop and did a, just like a quick demo for him on a knife he had laying around. And um, I used uh, the two inch contact wheel. Um, now you can, you can use anything between two inches and half an inch for all I care. But I think the key is not cutting super deep. Um, but basically you kind of just, I wish I wish I had a really good way to explain it, but essentially you just kind of go, you hold the blade vertically and at a slight angle, and then uh, you bring it into contact with the wheel and just a little bit. And I think the biggest, I think what Jeff did was smart is he kind of mapped out where he wanted all this kind of like the serrations to be, how wide apart he wanted them, how deep he wanted them to be. Um, so I think as shallow as you can keep them, the better. Because if you get, I found with the first time I cut serrations into a knife, I cut them too deep. They were super aggressive, and what they ended up doing instead of they they cut through the bread, the crusty bread, great. 
But at the same time, because they were so deep, they were kind of like claws and they were dragging the bread all over the place. And I actually cut myself a couple times. And then also, once you get down to the, your board or your cutting surface, it just chews up that board. So no I've, I found the key is to keep it as shallow as possible. Um, but yeah, hold it up vertically, hold it at a slight angle to the, uh, the contact wheel, probably around, probably like a 30 degree bevel. Um, and then just kind of and touch it to the wheel going down. It's actually, it's, it's surprisingly, at least in my experience, it's surprisingly easy to control. Uh, and if you just take your time, you don't have to worry about overheating the blade either, but I would suggest keeping, uh, probably some sort of like quench bucket next to you just so you can cool down the blade, uh, from time to time. But I, I, the, the only times I've done the serrated blade, I only cut the serrations from one side, which I think it, so basically I ground a knife like I would standard. Um, and then I went in and cut in serrations and, uh, it worked great. Yeah, I do pretty much, uh, well, you taught me how to do it. So I basically grind it. So it's like a carving knife. One thing to consider is how, how you actually use a bread knife. It's basically going to be flat. So it's not like a table knife where you're cutting from a belly at an angle. You're going to be using it flat. So you need to make sure you've got some clearance for your uh, for your knuckles. And I know Jeff, for example, he does like an, an offset serrated knife to give you that clearance. Um, but yeah, grind it as if it's almost like a carving knife because it's that sort of shape, I suppose. Um, and then, yeah, I use a much smaller wheel. So I use a, um, a six millimeter wheel, which is run about quarter inch. Um, and I Baby teeth. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and, I, and I put some tape down and I mark out the distances that I want each one done in. And obviously the deeper you, you, um, you grind, the, the, the larger gap you're going to have. Yeah. But just take your time and just zip each one in. Just zip, 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 zip all the way down. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, and, it, and it works out nice. Works out it's nice. a lot quicker. I, I was surprised at how quickly it goes. I thought it was going to take forever. Yeah. And uh, I cut them in. I used a, uh, a 220 grip belt is what I used to cut mine in. And then I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't worried about taking it to a higher polish after that um, because of the serrations. And that's, I think that's high enough uh, for me personally, but um, you know, you can take them higher if you want. It's just more work. Cause then you got to follow those two twenty cuts with a 400 and you got to get it all matched at the same angle and all that. So that can be kind of tricky, but and it's it's very helpful if you've got a VFD as well, so you can turn the speed right down. Um, because I mean, you're basically grinding into you know almost a finished edge, so it doesn't take much to to bite right through. So I I turn the speed right down, um, and just yeah, gently zip zip zip, and you'll be away. yeah, absolutely. You know what? That's a show, but I think we should finish with my favorite bit of, of the recent shows. <laughs> hey, cuties. What's the best thing you've had in your mouth this week? Mm. <laughs> best thing you've had in your mouth this week. Best thing you've eaten. Yeah. Let's keep it simple. <laughs> Neil, what's the best thing you've eaten this week? Uh, he's eating good This is how high day. level this show is. Um, so uh, recently I had a friend of mine who is a retired Navy SEAL of uh, 21 years. And uh, he came out and we we did some like foraging therapy and then we went out hunting and we got a pig and, uh, and then, uh, we, you know, 
do what we do. So like hunting is a big part of my culture here. I know a lot of people disagree with it, but that's part of my culture. I, I grew up not buying meat. Like that's how we, that's my culture in Hawaii. And so we, my wife cooked it in like this braised red wine stew. And, and it was, it was, it was unreal. Like you, you, your connection with respecting what, you know, you hunted to then, you know, cleaning it to a point where nothing was wasted, you know, and, and then cooking it with that kind of respect of slow cooking. And then, then we had a little party and we had all my friends over and we all ate it. And it was, man. Is pretty amazing. Full circle. That sounds awesome. You know what? <laughs> Every time we talk, we bring this up each week, the best thing we've eaten, we always end up talking about the other stuff around it, like the experience of eating, you know, the people you're eating it with and what's going on. It's. I think it's such an important part of eating. It's not just the food. It's It's. It's what's happening around it. As yeah, well. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Morocco, what's the what's the best thing you've had in your mm. mouth? All right, so I, I mentioned last week that my sister had been visiting, and she does a lot of uh, cooking, and uh, a lot. Uh, one thing that I'd always wanted to learn how to cook or make is uh, this little kind of a snack food in a way. I mean, it can definitely be a meal, but it's called musubi, and essentially, it's like Hawaiian sushi kind of in a way. I don't know <laughs> what would you call it, Neil. It's spam be. It's spam. I mean, I mean, but like, is it a? I don't know. It's not a delicacy, but it's just kind of like snack. No, it is. No, it is. Uh, musubi originated with like the uh, so like the farmers in Japan, and then they brought it over with them to Hawaii. Was just a triangle rice ball, and it's got yeah. uh, ume in it, and it's got a nori wrapped around it. And uh, and that's what it was easy for, like, the working class to take out. They got this little rice ball. It's all wrapped up in, you know, a piece of paper or whatever, you know, and they unwrap it and they can eat it out in the field. It doesn't need a, you know, a, a, a bowl or a plate. It's it's a snack hand food. You know, I mean, yeah, and that's where it originated. Then in Hawaii, they started throwing meat on it because that's what we do. And then and then <laughs> it was created to spam musubi, which is shoyu sugar egg which is like a sweet egg right so you take shoyu sugar and then you you fry an egg in it and then you throw the egg and then you do the same coating on the spam and then you put furikake and then you put it in people buy like the spam musubi like makers you know it's like a square and they they press it but we used to just use the spam Spam can because it's the exact same size. <laughs> so we just take the yeah. spam out and we cut the bottom off of it, and then you just use it as it's you know it's all non-stick on the inside. So you wash it, and we pack the rice, throw the spam, put the egg, put more rice, and then wrap it up in a tr- in a you know in the square. You know, yeah. I mean that's so that's basically it. So she she and her boyfriend uh have a company or like a food service down in New Orleans they call Aloha Nola. And so essentially they do like plate lunches down there. He's from he's Portuguese and native Hawaiian. Uh and so they they do that down in New Orleans. And so while they're here cooking, she showed me how to make musubi and I did like a teriyaki glaze kind of style. And uh so I was redoing that this last week just to make sure like I got it all like remembered it all on how to do it and it turned out super good. And it's just 
it's a mouthful of like umami and like you got all this savory and uh and you got the salty and it's uh the mouthfeel like of like you you know you cook off the spam and so it's got a little bit of like a little crunch to it and then you got the soft uh rice and everything and and the furikake is so good ah, there's toasted sesames and <laughs> Bro, when, so, nice. so yummy. when we in portland when we're in portland i'll make you mine because it will blow your mind <laughs> you know how i do mine i do portuguese sausage fried rice which yeah. is like a huge thing over here it's or it's portuguese sausage which is like a local sausage here and then uh i do fried rice with it and then i pack it in there and then, so it's got our the rice already has Portuguese sausage, egg, you know, all the seasonings in it. And then I take the yeah. spam, and then I egg wash it, and then I roll it in panko, and I and then I and then I pan fry. Oh, it. <laughs> that sounds awesome. And then I do a shoyu sugar rolled uh, scramble. So it's a soft scramble, like how you guys do, but it's got yeah. the shoyu sugar on top. And then you put more fried rice on the top, and then you roll that thing up. I guarantee you, when you're done eating it, you'll have gout. It's that good. (laughs) (laughs) That's always my ambition, to get gout. Yeah, bro. um, (laughs) Best thing I've had this week. So I'm going to say, because I've been here in the UK, there's certain things that I miss from the UK when I'm I'm in France. Um, And it's normally like just like shit food, you know, know, like takeaway food, that kind of stuff. But I mean... the last few days, just just today, for example, I've been to three different restaurants that have two Michelin stars, and you're generally meeting the chefs in the kitchen and so on, and not one of them has offered me food. Not one of them. <laughs> so the the best food I've had this week was actually like proper traditional fish and chips. So you go to a, a chip shop and you get, you know, the big, not like American chips, you know, fries. I mean, like big fat fries. Yeah. Um, you know, and and cooked with it, you know, with a cod in a batter, way too much salt and way too much vinegar, so it's salty and it's like sharp from the vinegar. Mm. And when you, you know, it's, I'm sure you guys know, you know, British fish and chips. When you open up the bag that it's served in, the vinegar just goes straight up your nose, and it's just like, oh, the most, like heady thing. Ever. Yeah, uh, that and good. it's just fat, and it's just bad for you. That's the thing. It's got fat, it's got sugar, and it's sharp. It's just amazing. So that that's the best thing I've had this week. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's certainly not a delicacy. I, I would like to try that because I don't ever eat fish away from home, and I don't eat cooked fish. Right, right. Like we only eat raw fish here. Like if it's cooked, like if somebody tries to, if I was to sear some ahi, like black and ahi, my grandma would roll in her grave. <laughs> we only eat raw fish because we're pulling it out of the ocean that day but i would like to try that because that's like their delicacy you know what i mean like open-minded sure. about yeah it. yeah one thing that i wanted proper, to you know, talk about is that, food. that i that we're gonna be that morocco is gonna be reading off m- more key points every week right right yeah, yeah. so yeah. that so keep keep on listening because we're going to get current updates every week on Blade Show West. We're going to go more they're going to delve more into the uh instructions on how to enter and what's going to happen and some of the rules and some of the bigger things that we got going on. We got a lot of exciting things uh to really make this show the best, you know. Yeah. 
And remember, Neil20 is the, the promo code that you need to get 20% off your ticket for Blade, Blade Show West. That's a show. That's a show. Thank you so much, Neil, All for right. stepping in. Um, it's been real fun to have you on the show. It, we turned into a bit of a therapy session in the middle, <laughs> but I think it was good for us all. No, nah, you know what, though? <laughs> that, that's where I get the most messages from. Like, literally, I, got, I probably got 200 messages from makers that was like, dude, that you talking about your issues because everybody like puts me up on this thing right like this it's like oh he's like neil doesn't have to do shit he just like makes makes something and stamps it and it like you know so it's good for them to hear the other side of it you know for sure and makes yeah. that shit yeah, and yeah. makes it and makes it real to them because if not they just don't understand what it is because i don't talk in my videos this is the only way or in my yeah on my instagram so this is the only way for them to really hear what i what my opinions are and that's what i think the key to the success of me being on this show and why we've done such good numbers is because people don't even know what my voice sounds like half the time <laughs> you know sure and so so that's a good opportunity and it makes the podcast special if i was ranting and talking a bunch of bullshit on my instagram all the time nobody would go and there's no mystery there you know yeah. Yeah. Well, next time you're on, you need to you need to get your guitar. We need a song. We'll and actually, we heard that Morocco last week. He plays guitar, and I play guitar too. We need we need a knife talk uh, jam session live on the podcast. Oh, no, I, I, what I'll do is I'll, <laughs> what I'll do is I'll do call outs if you guys want. Like I'll, I'll play a song and record it and sing it and put it on my my story, and then I'll 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 tag <laughs> you guys in it, and you guys gotta. And then when you guys do it, I'll repost oh, it on yeah. my story. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, a, like what did they We're call in. that? Like a call out challenge or whatever like that. And we'll, we'll pick themes. We'll do like 2000 songs, like the year 2000, like super oh, yeah, like emo yeah. shit. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I'm in. I'm yeah. definitely in. <laughs> okay. Come, come into a chart near you soon. It's the Knife Talk Trio. <laughs> That's the show. Speak to you soon. Bye. All right, man. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.